Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Nothing Serious Podcast. Uh, today, we're accompanied by the man, the legend, Anton DeLost. Say hi, man. Hello. How is everyone? Nobody can say anything. Back to us. <laughs> I'm sure if people actually did reply wherever they're listening to this podcast, uh, I mean, like, we they can They would hear reply it. with probably mediocre. That's probably what they would say. <laughs> No, but how you doing, man? It's um hasn't been that long since we talked, but you know, I want to see how you're doing. Yeah, yeah, all good. All good. How are you, man? I'm uh, I'm good. You know, today's well obviously, yeah, today's like my Saturday actually. Yesterday was my Friday. <clears throat> Weird uh work schedule, but I'm just I plan on chilling today. I started writing like a 90s grunge influence song yesterday. So That's I'm gonna cool. try to tackle try to tackle that later. Oh yeah. Uh, and for anybody listening who doesn't know, um, with about Anton, Anton has been our producer like since the beginning of with Ocrest, uh, probably since about 2017, right? Um, God, has it been that long? I think yeah, that's when that's when we did our first EP. I think. There you go. There it is. Yeah. No, and uh, what a killer job like you've done. Uh, Appreciate bringing it. us where to, where we are, and you know the whole sound side of it. Uh, but anyway, though, so actually, with that being said, though. Um, is everybody that probably does know your name uh, who's worked with you maybe hasn't worked with you they know you're an amazing producer um i actually have never known um how you actually sort of got into the sound engineering world like how um yeah to go off that yeah how did you sort of start this all off so basically uh i was what was i i don't know 13 or 14 or something and i was i was in bands obviously and um and my dad he used to, well, he was a cameraman, but also he was, he had like a little recording studio way back in the day and had some stuff still, like some tape recorder, recording stuff. Um, really, really basic. And uh, he was just trying to give us some, some like really basic recordings, like literally like four track on a cassette recorder kind of thing. <laughs> um, and I was, oh, you know what? I must've been younger than that, to be honest. And yeah, I was probably like 12 or 13 and I started getting interested in like trying to, you know, learn how he was recording us just sort of a, yeah. at a basic level. And, um, and I remember actually getting even more in, into it and thinking, you know, we, my band needed some quality recordings and I wasn't about to pay anyone to, to do that. So <laughs> I wanted to learn how, and I've always been like that. Like I want to, figure it out myself because yeah and why not um and i mean when you're younger you have that you, the, the world's your oyster um when it comes to you know the direction you want to take you have no idea so um so i thought you know i'd get i'd get a little bit more into it and i started actually um i think we got like an eight track digital recorder which was which was you know barely different than this other it was like this big and you recorded onto like a hard drive and then i imported it into pro tools so you had to like do all manual punch-ins and like there was no screen it wasn't linear so it yeah. was like you know it was tricky to learn on um and so finally um 
I was coming out with like relatively decent record. I mean, decent in my, in a 14 year old standards. Um, and I thought, well, there's, uh, there's so many other local bands that are, that are in the area, like in London who want to start uh, getting some stuff out there who are, who are basically my age, a lot of metalcore bands back in the day. Um, this would have been about 2008, 2009, maybe. Um, and I thought, well, why don't I try to do that for some bands, you know, for like I don't know, 50, 50 bucks a song or whatever it was. I can't remember what it was. But um, and yeah, I started doing that for, for some local bands, started, you know, built, I got Pro Tools. I had another family friend who uh, who lent me this Mackie mixer, this like, what was it, 16 channel Mackie mixer with like 001, uh, uh a digi 001 which is like pro tools first little rack unit interface so um he lent that to me for a few years and uh recorded a couple local well a good amount of local bands i was working at tim hortons at the time also just hoping i, I could uh still still repping timmy's here even though i kind of can't <laughs> yeah um, no, I'm, uh, I'm rocking a hazelnut brew right now nice love that uh but yeah i got to a point where i was like actually doing it relatively regularly maybe you know uh, a couple times a month or something like that um, while working at, at Tim Hortons. So my goal was just to start doing it enough so that I could quit my job at Tim Hortons. So <laughs> I finally did. And then I went to uh, OIR, Ontario Institute of Audio Recording Technology, recommend it to anyone who's interested um, in London. So I went there and at, at that time I was, it was almost my full-time gig. Um, but then I, yeah, I learned how to do it properly. And after that, it just, uh, it, it took off. I, I did it out of my parents' basement. Yeah, I should probably shouldn't have mentioned that. So I did it out of my, par- <laughs> my parents' basement for, for you know, the whole time until I moved to Toronto. And that was yeah. 2015. Yeah, I think I remember hearing somewhat of, uh, you recorded Hoser in your basement, right? With Seaway? Mm-hmm. Yeah, basement and honestly. Very similar to what you're in right now. Yeah, this is a terrifying, unfinished basement where... Uh, <laughs> this is where my setup is like my amp is right next to me it's really like the only place i can right now but i'm moving out uh hopefully soon to north york nice gonna, good. Have sm- gonna have to get a smaller head um actually i think jacob said he's gonna trade me his tiny tear for my uh my rock river 100 because you obviously can't play that in a condo in north york so yeah i mean i would recommend like just if, if you're practicing like you don't you don't even need an amp i know like you probably want one but you for, for practicing at least all you need is like that you know those plugins i told you about those uh yeah. plugs just pop that into a into a session put on some headphones or through your speakers and i think that's the way to go for practicing because it's like it's a it's a full sound of an amp but yeah at whatever volume you want you know? it's actually funny um like i took what you said after uh, we spoke recently and i was like do i want to buy plugins first or i um i got recommended an sm57 Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, hey, I somewhat sort of know how to like uh, mic a cab. So I went with the SM57 now. And um, like, I've been amazed. Like, I've just been down here six or seven hours a day now, just sort of watching YouTube videos. Like, the next future demos that will definitely sound a lot better than some of them that we've uh, sent you in the past. Sick. <laughs> and uh, funny enough, though, like, as I'm mentioning how like I've been sort of learning, um, my MacBook is 2007 or 2006. I mentioned to you, I realized that I can't run Pro Tools. I can't mm. update my garage band. I can't download logic because it's so fucking old, but <laughs> it seems like that's your first purchase right there. Yeah. That's yeah. And everything I'm realizing that now. So right now I'm like saving up, looking up for like, like the Facebook marketplace, looking, looking for like a relatively 
somewhat new MacBook just so that it can sort of dip in the water a little bit. Yeah. Because sure. I have definitely become a little bit more comfortable with GarageBand now, but realizing I don't actually have all the updated features like tuning vocals. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. And that's like a whole need- thing in itself. That's like, that's Melodyne. And if you want to do it manually or, you know, you can do, I guess you can do like waves tune and stuff, but I like yeah. me, I don't think if you're a professional, you should be in, and which you're not at this point, but no, if you're a professional in the industry, I don't think you should be using like an auto tune to tune your vocals. Like you should be going in there and like really taking the time to make sure they're, they're right. So that's a whole thing by itself that takes years and years and years of experience but in your case like i think all you need is you know once you get a computer with a, a daw that you can run um yeah just get like the waves tune plug-in or some sort of like relatively good auto-tune plug-in that you can sort of dial in naturally um i don't think you need melodyne but um so yeah, yeah i wouldn't worry about like that being a thing you need to learn really <laughs> but like definitely definitely a computer that can handle yeah (laughs) no this thing is like older than a lot of kids that are being born and on tiktok nowadays it's terrifying yeah (laughs) but like i am on tiktok definitely but i did it out of boredom just because it was like the start of the pandemic and i feel like that's a lot of people and you just you get lost in the rabbit hole man you go down for hours if you're not doing anything you're like i just lost half my day yeah i uh i for one i'm not gonna succumb to the (laughs) Yeah, um, whatever you know what i'm trying to say the tiktok yeah <laughs> no yeah but good enough though about like since my Ma- my macbook's so old i can't like do like the preset tuning vocals here like even if it is just a demo i still like do all my vocal roles and i make sure like the vocals still like at least sound as good as they can because i've been learning how to like compress them and mix them a little bit just so they don't sound like like that at least i guess <laughs> yeah i mean th- i think you should be doing that anyways like well yeah People, I think nowadays, um, they get used to technology being able to save their performance. Um, and I think they just have like, a, you know, this, this preconceived notion that oh, I'll, I'll just fix it later, which is, which is fine. I think sometimes, um, especially if there's like a producer who's like, knows what they're trying to get after a p- certain performance. And like, if they, you know, they can sort of start judging where you know um where there's no getting better from there and it's only going to get worse and you you sort of like pick your battles and know that that that's the take that you're going to get and you're not going to get any better and you can fix it with whatever after yeah but i think a lot of times singers if they're doing it themselves they just see this or they just hear this autotune they're, they're like oh my god i'll just i'll just do that for everything and they don't really <laughs> really remember that like this is your instrument like yeah, like you're gonna have to do that on stage. Yeah, do a million takes of it, get it perfect, like work and work and work at it. Like Billie Eilish is a perfect example of uh I've I've just watched so many like uh behind the scenes of her of her brother and her talking about their 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 production process and like she is just so anal about vocal takes and she'll and it's the opposite with harmonies. She's so good at harmonies that she'll just like one take harmonies. Yeah. Um but her her main vocal, it'll be days of her just like doing these takes over and over and over until she's happy with it. And 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 again, it's it's up to the producer to be like, you know, I've had instances where 
um, the artist thinks they can do better still, but really in reality, they're getting worse and <laughs> they still think that they can do. So there, there's like, there's pros and cons to that. And there's, and I think that's really admirable of a, of a musician to, to keep wanting to get it better because there's so many musicians that are like, okay, that's, that's good. When obviously yeah. it can be a million times better. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it all comes down to knowing yourself, trying to reach that standard. And if you're doing it with a producer, like trusting the, the producer to know that, you know, they're getting the best out of you and not letting you fall short and not letting you overwork yourself, you know? Yeah. Tips right from the man. And I'm glad though, that you definitely like kicked my ass into shape. Definitely. I feel like from 2017 to now, like going in your studio, I can feel a lot more sort of confident knowing that like, knowing what we're doing obviously now, but like yeah. knowing like sort of the process and like, obviously it, it has made me a better musician, definitely working with you. And I feel like a lot of people have definitely too. And I mean, Jacob, honestly, like... sorry, go ahead. Sorry? I was going to say like Jacob definitely still hasn't got that because he hasn't recorded with you since our first EP and he's, you know, with the pandemic happening and all this shit, he's like, oh man, he's like, I I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm ready to go back. I'm like, yeah, you are. You're fine. (laughs) He has gotten better. I promise. Yeah. Um, No, what I was going to say about you though, is like, I I don't, I I think the studio helps um, to a certain extent because you're, you're in there for, you know, however long you, is if it's a song at a time or an EP or whatever, um, you're in that there for that amount of time. So it's almost like it's kind of like taking a lesson in, in in a sense where like you're with, let's say you're with me for a bit, and you know I kick your ass for a little bit, and you you work on those things and you you get a little better, and but then you it's up to you for the next year or whatever it is. Yeah, um, and that could again, just like lessons, if you don't keep at that, that training and that muscle memory and in remembering all the stuff that we worked on in the studio, it's not going to do any good. And I think you have worked really hard at it and, and, you know, have taken a lot of stuff that, that I've said to heart. Like I know a couple of the, like on the first EP, I think there was a, there was a lot of songs that uh, there were a lot of songs that have, that were like a little bit out of range for your voice. I think you didn't know, at the time yeah right? you, i think i was like 18 and i was just like oh yeah. like when you're 18 you're like oh i can do anything yeah. and yeah but that's clearly wasn't the case <laughs> yeah and you and you just have no idea when you haven't experienced it and you haven't like gone through the process of like you know figuring out which keys work for your voice and um and i remember we, we powered through it but the next time it was like a lot of people don't learn from that stuff. They just keep no. writing songs in the same keys. And like, that's one of the things that like you've consistently come back in with like songs that really suit your voice really well. And that's, I think a really um, underappreciated part of pre-produ- pre-production and writing a song is making yeah. sure it's the right key for the, for the vocalist. And I think a lot of people sing songs that are, you know, sing to some of their favorite songs and, and go, Oh God, this is so high. And I'm, and, and I'm just going to sing it. And this is just my voice in that register when really that person is a complete, the person who sings that song is a completely other, a completely different person with a completely different range and their voice might shine in a different range than yours. And the singer might not realize that. And, you know, like if, when people, when, when songwriters shop out songs for different vocalists, often they'll they'll transpose the keys because 
um, it'll work better for the different vocalists that are auditioning for the song. So I just think that's that's a really underappreciated part of uh, songwriting and pre-production. And I'm glad that you've that's one of the things that you've um, that you've worked on. Yeah, I definitely like started to realize like I think when I was uh, when we first went to the studio, I really wanted my range to just sit where Jordan from uh, Newfound Glory was just because I loved I loved that for some reason. And then like slowly starting to realize I'm like, that's just his voice. It's yeah. just like naturally high and whiny. And I'm like, yeah. I can't get there. I can't yeah. get there. No, it's completely different. It's completely different. Yeah. yeah. And and it's funny, too, because like and something I'm realizing more and more is like sometimes you'll hear a vocalist and it sounds like they're singing high because they have a high and whiny voice. Yeah. Or it sounds like they're singing low because they have a really low, like, um, you know, Mark Hoppus-y kind of voice that's like, that has a it's lot of body. Baritone, yeah. yeah, exactly. When really um, sometimes they're singing in the same register, but their tone, their formant in their voice or timbre, if you will, um just makes it seem like they're in a different register and i think that that um misleads a lot of singers as well like the, like bonnie there is a perfect like the perfect example of that where he can he really has a super big uh voice with so much body and he can sing so ridiculously low but then he sings so ridiculously high and i think that's like it's so misleading to some singers. Um, yeah. You know, Tom, Tom in, in blank, same, same thing. Like Tom and Mark often sing very similar ranges, but Tom's voice is so much whinier. So it sounds like he's singing way higher. Yeah. Like everybody's mentioned that, like he just gets all the high parts and Mark just sort of hits all the lows, but yeah. <clears throat> but with, uh, with that though, like I know, uh, like I said, like, I know I definitely didn't know my range when I was 18, but have you yeah. maybe noticed any sort of other pet peeves working with other bands, like in throughout your years of, uh, recording only or... had a half an hour for this. Uh, we can try to push through as many questions <laughs> I got written down, but well, I need about four more hours to answer that question. Um, <laughs> we could do a separate meeting. Yeah. Um, oh God, that's, that's do like, I guess like, we'll do like a top two just to, uh, um, get through the rest. <laughs> I've been fortunate um, in the past couple of years to work with a lot, a lot of bands that are much more prepared and I guess just getting older and working with bands with a little higher budgets. It's like, it's everybody's in a little bit more of an even playing field, I think. Um, And just not even just higher budgets, but, but a little bit more experience. And, um, and that, that's so, so much nicer. But in terms of like pet, pet peeves, I would, I would say, um, I think the the one thing that I and it's not a knock on artists it's it's almost a um a gratitude for the artists that I do get this from it's it's open mi- open minded mindedness yeah um <laughs> and and just sort of like free of ego yeah uh, and trust I think that's that's my biggest thing when it comes to work, working with artists is like when artists pay you to do a service, they're, they're doing it like in a producer sense, they're paying me to sort of take creative control or at least creative collaboration with, with this artist and, and create something together. I'm not a kind of producer that sits back and presses record. I, I can't do that. That's, that's 
for one, that's not a producer. That's an engineer. And I, I, every project I take on, I want to be a big part of making a song and like making not just sonically, but in terms of songwriting and bells and whistles and everything and like sculpting a, a song. Right. And, um, and I think when, when an artist has that kind of trust and, um, and open-mindedness with, with the producer, um, <laughs> the product is always going to be better. Always. Unless yeah. the, unless you go into that, that project with knowing that like, if I took on a project, knowing that this band is like so ridiculously good. So their, their songwriting is just off the charts and all they want me to do is, you know, record and, you know, put in my two cents a little bit. And that's fine too. I, I think it's project dependent, but a lot of the time I, I have, I just have so many ideas and I just want to try so many things and collaborate uh, with artists and, 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 you know, rework, so, you know, uh, arrangements and melodies and whatever. Um, so I think, I think the, yeah, trust is a massive thing. Um so it's sort of an anti peppy. It's a good. It's like it's yeah. something that I'm really grateful for that I that I get to work with a lot, a lot uh, of artists with. Um, so I guess yeah. On the on the flip side of that, it's it's artists that are very brick wall. You know, I don't want to change anything. It's like well, then you know, maybe it's a different <laughs> producer that you need, um, or you know, have that conversation beforehand. Um, because there's been so many times that's well not so many but there there have been a handful of times where you just hit a wall and you're like well you know we we see different we see different uh paths for this and i can't blame the artists for that because they obviously have a vision and i respect that vision i think the best the best um combination is an artist with a vision like a really distinct vision but Mm -hmm. also trust and also open to collaboration and and creativity and just you know throwing paint i think that's the the absolute best combination yeah and i think you mentioned that to us uh back in 2017 like i think like this question came up um four years ago wow that came up and i remember like that sort of opened our minds to that like moving on in the future like again working with you more and like sort of like just staying open to everything like that's that's why like whenever we work with you like we're always just like yeah like you throw in like wicked ideas and we're just like yeah we didn't even realize that wow (laughs) well that's another thing is like it it takes sometimes it takes you know washing your hands of the song a little bit and and uh somebody else being you know somebody else who knows what they're doing to 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 hear it and go oh this would be perfect here and nobody else thought of that yet because you're just yeah you're too close or you just have different ideas and that's totally fine too um but yeah sometimes that all that's all it takes is just a different set of ears hearing it and going oh god this this lends itself to this so well why you know i yeah. feel like this, this was so obvious to do this and then the band goes oh yeah <laughs> or no, <laughs> no honestly honestly i've even had times like over just like the past week or so just mixing and recording like the demos is, are definitely where the ideas come out i feel like I'd be just going like six, seven hours straight. And then I would leave for like maybe an hour to chill out. Then I'd come back and I'd be like, why didn't I add this? Or they, like, it's something, it just pops right in your head. Yeah. Like, wow, I totally got out of that. Lee environment <clears throat> huge. Whenever it's like, we've never really had like a proper writing session together, but anytime I, I have writing sessions, I, and, and there's sort of like a, like a stale moment in the, in the room. And we're both just trying to think and, or whoever is trying to think in the room and, 
you know, there's nothing, you know, rapid firing. Yeah. I always leave the room for a bit. And generally, like if I go to the bathroom and immediately I think of something because you're just, you leave the room, you like, you almost exit that, that creative space and you, and you're in a different creative space for a second. And you yeah. just think of different ideas that you would never think of if you were still sitting in that, in that same position. It's yeah, so that same environment. a psychological thing for sure. Yeah. And, and, and we still have yet to uh, book a writing session, which is uh, definitely something on the checklist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like I said, yeah, like I've been, uh, been, been sort of like a writing block or past like two months or month. So I'm glad I'm like definitely getting back onto it now. Like, yeah. I don't know where this nineties grunge influence came from. I like, actually know, like I said, I've been listening to a lot of fountains of Wayne. Cool. Uh, so it's coming from that probably. Cause it yeah. sounded like a mix of like a old Weezer track or something you hear in like a 2000s teen movie. And I'm like, I'm all about that because yeah. I love that. <laughs> and it's definitely something we've never done before. Yeah. But hey, so yeah, like realize, are you getting double of my voice? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, good. Cause I, I my speaker is going and I just thought, Oh shit, you're probably getting like a double <laughs> I mean, my voice here, but if, if you're not, that's good. Sorry. Yeah, I just I like, clued into that. No, it's like, yeah, you're all coming in through my AirPods and it's recording through zoom and, and it sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Like every time we've done this, um, hearing it back, like it's all sounded crisp. Okay. Uh, here I checked out in the previous episodes. We just uh, did one with uh, Alex from Young Culture. I think I mentioned yeah. that too. So if you want to check that episode out, you can hear the quality. I would love uh, to. Yeah, I love that guy. We're supposed to actually do a writing session soon. Nice. Yeah. Oh, the, he's he's helped me so much. Like I said, even uh, with that last single that we did, that I'm not going to mention the name of. Like I said, he threw a lot of like his input in there too, and I'm like, wow. It's funny though too because I found like a lot of influence from him, and he was like, no way. I'm like, yeah, honestly, you're like you're a killer dude. Yeah, he uh, he's a good songwriter, like a legit ass songwriter. He's he's his lyrics are clever. He has good melodies. Um, yeah, I, I I'm excited to do. A, I mean, obviously, I, I wrote a few with him when we did the record, but um, I think he just like I don't think we. Yeah, we didn't write any from scratch. And I'm excited to do that with him because I think that'll be he has this like pop sense. I feel like we, we both have a very similar we have similar interests in terms of what we listen to and, and yeah. for the band and stuff. So that'd be cool. Yeah. And that's good to have like, sort of like the same sort of like mind way, I guess, like when songwriting, like, to be honest, I've actually never, we've actually still never even had like a band writing session. Usually I write all like the base of the songs and everybody just sort of adds their tidbits later. Yeah. But like, I um, actually, the demo I just finished around, which I actually might be hitting you up about later on as a, maybe potentially the next single, like, we wrote that, me and Jacob wrote that over FaceTime. Like, that's like the first time I've actually ever written with somebody else. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. And it went well. Yeah, yeah. It went really good. Like, he was throwing lyric suggestions, melody suggestions, and he's new to songwriting, too. So I was like, open to it. I'm like, no, let's maybe try this or let's mm-hmm. maybe try that. But obviously, no, uh, no paths got crossed. No heads got uh, butted. Yeah. yeah. And usually with writing, that stuff doesn't really happen because you're in a different... No. You're in a different uh, mindset, I guess, when you're writing. It's not like the song's not written yet, so you have nothing to, yeah, to sort of like really hold on to. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, you, yeah, you're just start. You're just you're trying to create something together. So, you know, unless there's somebody who really feels strongly about an idea, and somebody doesn't, somebody else doesn't. But there's a, probably a reason why somebody else doesn't. So, um, yeah. And- and it helps to write them with your friends too, because they're just your friends. And it basically is just like just hanging out at that point, but still sort of like work, but yeah. not really. 
<clears throat> the worst is when you have somebody who's like not, you know, into songwriting really. And they're just, they happen to be in the band and they want to have an opinion for the sake of having, having an opinion, even though yeah. they don't feel strongly about it. Um, and that is the absolute worst. So that's, I guess, another pet peeve. <laughs> um, and I think that's where ego comes in. They just want to be involved and you can't, I mean, sometimes you can't blame them, but that just usually comes down to a lack of experience. Like knowing that to be, to be in a band, not everybody has to be a songwriter. Songwriter yeah, no. and an artist are completely two different things. Um, or I guess I should say a performer and a, and a songwriter are two different things. Um, mm. Yeah, often there's one or two maybe solid songwriters in, in a band. Yeah, like I started like um, songwriting, I get Well, I started songwriting like when I was like eight years old. I mentioned this actually on my last episode where I would just sort of like hear other songs. Like being eight years old, you don't know anything about music at all. You hear melodies and you sort of just like, I would just write like my own lyrics over it. And then as I'd get older, like I'd go to like these songwriting camps and like they would teach you like instructively and like how to do these things. And then, and I think I mentioned this on a last episode with Jacob too, but like he asked like any tips for like any new songwriters. And I just really said like, just practice and like keep doing it. Even if like, sometimes like I mentioned to you, like songs that I know that like, I don't really like think will make the record or like, will like be in that sense, but like you just write it just cause you want to write. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> um, a big thing for me is listening to like, if you're starting out songwriting, I'm just going to put my, my little tip in here. Um, that's yeah. what she said. Um, <laughs> um, I would say listen to really massive songs and legendary songs because generally those got big for, for multiple reasons. And, um, you know, sometimes these days, I mean, still these days, like these songs blow up and you go, I have no idea why this is big, but there's a, there's a reason for it. And, you know, like WAP, like that song is like, I can't, I can't wrap my head or I can't wrap my head around it. Um, you can't wrap your head around yeah. it. Um, but there are reasons why that blew up. I mean, it's so ridiculously empowering for women, I think. Um, yeah. in a, in a sort of like a reckless sense, like I don't give a fuck kind of sense. Um, and it's so ridiculously, uh, the lyrics are so ridiculously honest and to the point, there's literally no beating around the bush, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, I mean, the song itself is whatever, like if you replace those lyrics with like some, you know, cookie cutter lyrics, like it wouldn't be that song. So I think that's, no. <clears throat> again i don't know the song that well but th that's just an example <laughs> um but i think yeah i would i would just go and listen to like top songs because e whatever genre you're writing um because i think so many genres just come down to pop music um and pop can be so broad i think pop just means popular and that means it's it's it appeals to a lot of people a, a wide variety of people and don't i don't i think don't get sucked into like a um like a niche market think yeah. of the wider spectrum and you can put niche stuff if if you like it you know if you're like like i was into like a, a lot of sort of midwest emo kind of stuff <clears throat> so they have a lot of like guitar mini stuff and a lot of um you know little twinkly guitar licks and that kind of stuff i'm not as much into it anymore but what i tried to do was take that kind of like instrumental 
and put pop songwriting over it like dress it in a way that it's a it's a pop song it's a pop pop rock song or whatever but dress it in this sort of midwest emo kind of way yeah there's, there's a million ways and when when it's a great song it doesn't matter how it's produced in my opinion true wow yeah and i think i think i mentioned that too as well where like throughout the 14 songs i've written so far it's like it's it's definitely not all like the niche pop punk because yeah, definitely. Like we've mentioned, like it's hard to be a pop punk band, I guess, in 2021 because it's already it's been it's been done so much. So yeah. like just breaking out of that and like I've written like a few like sort of like indie, like like folk, like punk songs, like um, a few like acoustic tracks. And like I said, like this 90s grunge song, a little bit more poppy tracks, too. And like definitely just want like a big sort of like a what's the word? I guess just this big sort of package of songs where it's not all just sort of the same thing. Yeah. I mean, as an album should be, that's, that's in my opinion, that's how an album should be. It's, it shouldn't be most of the songs sound the same. In my opinion, all all of my favorite records are not that. Yeah. All my favorite records are. I feel like some people could, could hear a collection of like, let's say there's 12 songs in a record they split it up between like four three song genres or or mm-hmm. more and they could be all be different artists those are my favorite records like jimmy Eat world there's jimmy Eat world singles are nothing like their best songs in my opinion um again with billy eilish like her her songs are all over the place in terms of genre but it's the production and it's her it's her that makes it cohesive um yeah. or like the used i always go back to the used and love and death by the used is like that song they have a a, a song with like stand-up bass and brushes and <laughs> sort of like a 50s groove and then right next to that song they have um sound effects and other dramatics which is like this ridiculously heavy you know everything on 11 screaming distorted fuzz like right next to each other on the album and so many people and in in, that i've worked with would say oh there's no way these can go on the same record they're completely different yeah. it's a completely different genre for one and t- sound like two different artists that to me does not matter it's the artist that makes it cohesive and the production that makes it cohesive I, I don't think anyone should care about and especially nowadays there's so much genre mixing that it's like I mean, look at Old Town Road. Nobody, still, nobody knows what if that's a country song or a hip hop song. <laughs> um, and you know, Poppy. I don't know. Did I show you Poppy? I can't remember if I showed. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. No, that blew my mind. Anybody like, who hasn't listened to Poppy, like, yeah. check that out. Jeez, <laughs> that, that's just an example of like how genres just don't exist anymore. And I think that's no. incredible. I, I love that. So rather than having an album with. <clears throat> a metal song and then an album with a pop song and then an album with like a dream pop song. They just made it all one song. And I think that's <laughs> amazing. So, yeah. Well, yeah. And the fact that um, a day to remember works with like an EDM artist, like yeah. who would have thought that would have sort of happened seen as from um, like from like their first record to now it's like, yeah, I have to sort of, I agree with you definitely in that sense where like genres don't really matter now in 2021. No, not at all um but as you mentioned though uh you say like you wanted to like start being a producer around like 12 or 13 did you have maybe any other sort of dreams before that like before you sort of got introduced to music in the no. sound engineering world no no Just I, always I've music. been 
I started singing when I was six. Um, and oh, sorry, what is that? Oh, I should probably get rid of that. Um, yeah, I started singing when I was six. Um, and ever since, I just fell in love with music and it literally never left my brain. I think when I was nine or 10, I want to, I think I was nine. I think I had just been playing guitar for a year or two. Um, I had a band. I started a band when I was, when I was like eight or nine. Um, <laughs> and it was like, it was, I was just in the, I, I had just found out about Blink and some 41 and, and that, yeah. was, that was just like my, that was my shit. Um, <laughs> And so started a band with these, with, with a couple of my friends and we were terrible, obviously, but then the drummer, <clears throat> he had a friend who went to OIR actually. Um, and part of your, your third semester project and an OIR is to, is to record a band from scratch and then deliver that product, uh, deliver the, the song. Um, and we were that band for for him and so this i think this dude was in his 30s or something and he recorded a nine-year-old band and i thought that was <laughs> thinking about it now it's hilarious but um yeah so we i saw the studio i saw oar and i was like oh my god this is insane i am doing this there's no way i'm not doing this for a living and that was yeah. at nine or ten um Jeez. And then I went back and recorded there again, I think in, it was in high school. I think it was in 2000, I want to say 2009 or 2010. Yeah. I must've been 16, I think. Um, and that was when I had, uh, I, was, I was in another band <clears throat> and same thing. I, it was a different person's uh, project at OAR, went in and did it again. And obviously I knew, a little bit more what I was doing at that point as a musician. I saw the studio again. It was a different studio this time. And I was like, this is incredible. I'm this I'm going here at some point. Yeah. I'm gonna this is gonna be my career. And then a few years later I went there and it's my career. So yeah, like I'm such a strong believer in like I don't want to get too woo-woo and say, <laughs> you know, manifest or whatever. But I think <clears throat> if if you just visualize something that you want and work every day towards it. Um, and surround yourself this is a huge one too. surround yourself with the people who you want to be um, yeah. constantly I think that you you'll get there I think it's just a matter of determination and and uh and making it happen I think life is going to throw a million curveballs at you but if if you want to if you want to take that path you you absolutely can do it I'm, I'm trying not to be too inspirational no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say like a man, like you're just throwing it all at me. I'm just feeling inspired <laughs> so much. No, I was just going to say though, too, because I definitely agree with that. Um, seeing as like when I was 15, I literally was like on the brink of dying. And from that moment, I woke up and I'm like, shit, like that's when I sort of had like that realization. I'm like, like I'm going to be putting in like 110% into this because like it's what I want to do. It's um, yeah. obviously like I was introduced to music again. Yeah, it's like sort of like same age, like we're on like six or like eight or so like when i started learning how to play guitar but yeah no i feel like like once like i realized that like that i really wanted to do this the rest of my life like that's been the rest of my life since then like i've just been yeah. pushing constantly like the amount of curveballs sort of people who have quit this band and mm. like i didn't really let it sort of get to me i remember i, I almost felt defeated because i messaged you that one time saying oh christ almost broke up and yeah you were like you were like no dude 
Like, don't no, do that. No, <laughs> and thankfully, yeah, thankfully I didn't. It was actually, um, I don't know if you know the band Letdown. Yeah. Yeah, like Jake from Letdown, he uh, he messaged me. He's like, you know, you guys like definitely can't quit. Like, yeah, you guys are like, you got your foot in the door definitely because of like with uh, your production, they're like helping us there. But he's like, you know, you guys definitely put your foot in the uh, foot in the door here. Like you're a good staple right now in the Ontario music scene. I was like, oh, shit. I didn't realize that just because I'm like, it was only me and um, me and a bassist. And we were like, yeah, okay. you're too close at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But definitely what you were saying, though, definitely inspired me to go beyond that and talk a bit about my story, because obviously death uh, sort of does that to you, I think. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> speaking of that, I, I was just started watching this show with Brian Cranston, this new show called uh, Your Honor. <clears throat> And the first episode, I don't want to spoil it, but somebody gets gets into an accident and on like on the street and they hit their head really bad on like on a uh, well, on a curb. It's not on a, a sewer plate, sewer plate. Yeah. <laughs> but, dude, I thought of you. I was like, oh, my God, that is just like, <laughs> and it's so realistic, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. And obviously, I don't remember anything of that day. People were like, oh, you had a yeah. pool of blood around you. You were swearing at the uh the paramedics because they ran over your longboard i'm like doesn't ring a bell it just sounds like i uh hit my head really hard yeah <laughs> but you also that goes hand- for anyone that doesn't know you should probably just like say what happened because they're gonna be like wait what did you just say yeah like the entire anna maria drive ep if you listen to it it's basically based around like you know the hometown but like in the song anna maria drive when i say smash my fucking head on a sewer plate I was longboarding at 15, wasn't wearing a helmet, smashed my head, almost died and got to this point again where I, I went to the realization where like shit, like I walked out totally fine of that. I'm not going to waste the second chance and, you know, I'm going to put in 110% into what I want to do with the rest of my life. So yeah. that's uh, basically why Oakrest is still going strong, nice. I'd say. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Sometimes <clears throat> it's going to like, it sounds like such a cop out, but sometimes an experience like that really puts things in, into perspective or like well, yeah look at like, um look at travis barker's plane crash like that's, that's what got yeah. blinked back and yeah put out and neighborhoods look, at, look but... at how great they are now yeah well i mean like seeing his like charts yeah mark is definitely getting what he wanted yeah. i feel like just with the fame and all but yeah no i feel like the the events that like tragic accents like that they definitely bring things into perspective on what you want yeah exactly and even you know i hate to say it but even covid like COVID yeah. has, put, has put um a lot of priorities into into perspective as well you know um a lot of people sort of got a, a second look at how important family is and and yeah. personal time and and that kind of stuff and we well, yeah, senior says like it's just like being taken away from us and like you can't go see your family at christmas yeah. for the first time like yeah. ever and like oh shit can't. this is a, a massive privilege that we got to do this and now we can't or, or it'll put our family at, at risk and it's just like who'd, who'd have thought that that was even a thing that anyone would have to consider ever so literally yeah it's mm. like we definitely um definitely it is like a privilege though like seeing sort of like your loved ones at christmas or yeah. gatherings just because yeah covid's definitely put that into perspective seen as like you can't do that just to protect them it's not like you're just not allowed it's it's like a matter of like life or death here it's crazy yeah well and so many people that didn't get the privilege of seeing their family at Christmas because either one, they were trying to keep them safe or yeah. two, they lost family, you know, like that. Yeah. Those, those are such crazy things that nobody would have thought 
that they would have had to deal with, you know, this year. So, or ever. <laughs> yeah, honestly. But uh, on that note there, I think, I feel like this is probably a good time to wrap up. I'm, sure. You know, end on an inspirational note, as we were just talking about. <laughs> uh, it definitely yeah, has been almost, a... Uh, we almost got through the whole time without talking about COVID. Damn, I wish we did. I know. I don't know. On my last episode with Jacob, like we, I brought up the, um, the, the capital storming and I didn't think I was going to get into politics and I was like, oh shit. But like, it's like, I'm such like an activist on that stuff. I'm like, I have to talk about it because otherwise I'll be like, I miss an opportunity. Um, But so before we go though, uh, was there anything else like you wanted to say last? Is there maybe any news uh, about any first ghost music coming out soon or? No, no, no first ghost news, unfortunately. Um, Damn. Yeah, I mean, we're just, I think we're just taking it easy, man. Like, I, we we don't really talk about band stuff anymore. We just sort of, we're just friends. I think we're all sort of okay with that. Um, you know, maybe there'll, there'll be there'll be new stuff in the future. But uh, I think we're all just like, especially with COVID, there's literally no yeah. um, inspiration to, to do any. I think we're, we're just doing our own thing. And I think that's where everybody's okay with that. Um, but no, I, I don't think so. Um, I hope you're you're watching uh, stocks properly and listening to all the pros. <laughs> I don't want to see you losing your money. Rule number one. Yeah. Don't lose money. Uh, what's, what's rule number two? Uh, don't forget the first rule. My man. <laughs> Actually, I had that written down. I didn't want to get too far into stocks. Um, I've still been like uh, listening to that podcast. Uh, what's it called yeah. again? Uh, invested with Phil Town would recommend that highly to anyone who's looking to invest their money properly. Yeah, definitely. Uh, stocks is a good game to get into, especially like um, if you knew nothing about it. My dad knew nothing about it. And I mentioned that to him and he's like, Oh shit. He's like, yeah, yeah I, pro- I should have gotten into stocks. I'm like, yeah, yep. it's definitely smart. Well, that's a huge thing is like doing it young. Cause then you can build it up by the time you're your dad's age. And then, and you've already done the work for the last 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it is. Well, yeah. And they mentioned like, you can have like some, stocks put away like like if you're like looking at like retiring like having like just funds put away like that's definitely a smart thing to look down the line yeah. um but again though uh is there anything else though you want to say like, just before we wrap this up or i don't think so man i appreciate you having me on it was, it was a lot of fun and uh, i'm glad you're doing well glad you're writing i'm stoked to get into to to the song that we just recorded yeah definitely honestly it's uh has been definitely like fun getting to know you a little bit more uh, it's the same thing with Alex too, or I was just like, I never actually had like personal conversations where we actually like get to know each other. It's been fun. And COVID's yeah. allowed that though too now, like even if it is it's virtually. Yeah. Um, but again though, thank you everybody for uh, listening to this episode of the Nothing Serious podcast with uh, Anton DeLoss and uh, have, a, uh, have a good one. Yeah.